Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the Book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we just come to you this morning as we open your word, praying that you'll continue to reveal your truth to us, that we continue to stand on your truth and rest in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn with me to Romans 16 in your Bibles as we continue to come to our conclusion of Paul's letter to the Romans. And I want to bring up two things before we begin. The first one is I want to remind you of last week's sermon. As we went through 16 verses, we saw where Paul addressed specifically those people that he knew in the church at Rome, people that he knew personally. And if you remember from that, there were two things. One is is that he specifically called out the gifts that each person was using within the service to the kingdom of God. And then additionally, he pointed out that they all had unity of belief. They were all together, all together as Christians. And I think it's so important that we understand that as we go into this next group of verses. The second thing that I want to bring up is is that I want to ask you a question, and I know as we've taken years to go through Romans that you're not going to know the answer to this, but I want to ask the rhetorical question, was the book of Romans written to an individual or was it written to a group of people or to a church? And naturally you're going to tell me, After you've been sitting there listening to Romans for nearly five years, you're going to say, that's a ridiculous question. It was written to a church. But the reason why I bring that up is, as we read the Bible and as we study the Bible, it is so important for us to always remember who was the original audience. And in this case, the original audience was a church, was the Church of Rome. And so those two things, one is is that he just went through a whole group of people that he loved dearly and he called out their names and how they served him. And I meant to mention this last week is that Christianity is a team sport. That as we think about the church, the church comes together and we individually use our gifts to further the kingdom of God. It's a team sport. And so... He calls those people out. He's writing to the church. And this gets us to our focal passage this morning in verse 17 of the 16th chapter. And Paul says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. Now we're going to take at least a couple of Sundays to get through this. But I want to first focus on, if you look at verse 17, it says, Note those who cause divisions. 
If you were reading the Christian Standard Bible, it would say, Now I urge you, brethren and sisters, to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teachings that you learn. So Paul, as he's concluding his letter, he's telling the congregation, and that's important, he's telling the congregation to be on the lookout for people that are teaching a false gospel. Now, the first point that I want to make in this regard is, is that we are to expect false teachers in Christianity. We're to expect false teachers in Christianity. In fact, in Matthew 24, as Christ was warning about the environment of the end of times, in verse 9, he said, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. There it is in verse 11. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. In this, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. So remember... Christ is our prophet, priest, and king. And as our prophet, as he is giving the environment of the end times, part of the environment is is that many false prophets will rise up. So there you have it from the words of Christ himself. And then if we were looking at the Pauline epistles in chronological order, Well, in chronological order, the first letter that he wrote was Galatians. And in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says this, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. So from the words of Christ, he says in the end of times there will be false prophets. Here is Paul writes his first letter to the churches in Galatians. He says that there will be people who pervert the gospel. And then in Acts, in Acts 20, as Paul warns the the Ephesian elders, in verse 25 of Acts 20, Paul says this, And indeed you know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away 
the disciples after themselves. So you have the words of Christ. You have the words of Paul. You have the warning that Paul is giving the Ephesian elders. And then in 2 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1, Peter writes, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them and bring on themselves destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed by covetousness. They will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber." Also, in our Wednesday night group, we've been studying 2 John. And 2 John warns of false teachers. So, you have a commonality here. Christ, Paul, Peter, John, all have a similar warning that we need to expect false teachers within Christianity. Now... I would argue that over the last multiple decades, that the church has been tremendously naive and has not heeded this warning. And that's why you end up having denominations completely fall apart. I mean, do you really think that we went from in Christianity to have denominations that were following the straight and narrow, and then one day they're okay with LGTBQ filling the pulpit? That wasn't a light switch. That didn't happen overnight. It's almost been a death of a thousand cuts. It's that people allow false teachers that are preaching a gospel other than the gospel of Christ, they allow them in and slowly... There's been an erosion in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And we shouldn't be surprised about this because Christ warned us about this. It's in the Bible and it's extremely serious. How serious is it? Well, I'm going to go right back to those verses briefly that I just read. And we're going to look at the effects of false teachers or a gospel that is the antithesis of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in the words of Christ, we were reading in Matthew 24, in the words of Christ, in verse 11, it says that many false prophets will rise up and what? Deceive many. Deceive many. In my Galatians reference, in Galatians 1, verse 6, it says that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So they're being led away. When you look at the words that Paul used in his warning to the Ephesian elders, in Acts 20, verse 30, it says, Also from among yourselves men will rise up. In other words, among the congregation. That's what he's telling the church at Ephesus. 
in the congregation, there will be people that rise up speaking perverse things to draw the disciples after themselves. And then in my reference to Second Peter, Peter said, And many will follow their destructive ways because of the way of truth will be blasphemed. So all throughout the different scriptures that I just referenced, you see where people are drawn away. Our habit in our house every evening is Kathy and I sit down and watch one TV show. And I guess you could say we're Anglophiles and we love British TV. And we have been on, I guess, about a four or five month streaming of Father Brown. If you're familiar with the Father Brown series on BBC. And Father Brown is a priest who solves murders. And it's based upon uh, the Chesterton character in one of his books. And we were watching Father Brown last night. And I was thinking, because Father Brown is set in a really small British town. I was thinking to myself, if Father Brown was true, there would be no citizens left in this small British town because they would all be dead. Because there's, there's a death in every, in every series. And if you think about the seriousness of false teachers, false teachers commit spiritual murder. False teachers commit spiritual murder because it says they draw people away from the gospel. At best, you end up with a confused Christian. At worst, you end up with an apostate. That's why it is so important. And we have all of these warnings from different people in the New Testament. And if you go back to our focal passage, the New King James Version says to note false teachers. The Christian Standard Bible says watch out. Now, this means that we, we've got to do something that's just not politically correct at all. Because if I'm going to watch out or I'm going to have to take note... That means that I have to make a judgment and you have to make a judgment. Now, we're told not to judge anybody, right? We can't judge or we can't have discernment among anyone. But this is what the Bible tells us to do within Christianity, that we need to be aware of the warnings that Christ gave us, that Paul gave us, that Peter gave us, that John gave us, that we need to be aware that this is a possibility and we need to take note. In other words, there has to be a judgment. Now, if I'm going to judge, I have to have a basis for my judgment. Right? I have to have a basis. Turn with me to the seventh chapter of Matthew, verse 15. These are the words of Christ. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. 
You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. That's our standard. That is our standard. Is their fruit. About 15 years ago, my son Caleb and I went up to Washington State and we were hiking around the trails at Mount Rainier and we didn't pack a lunch and we're heading back down the mountain and we stopped at this little country grocery store. And we go in, we're just famished, we want something to eat. And I walk in, and in the middle of the, of the aisle, there is this stand of the biggest, most beautiful peaches that I have ever seen in my life. I love peaches. And so I thought, well, there's something that we can get. And so I got these two peaches, and I carried them back out to the car. They were as big as grapefruits. There wasn't a blemish on them. Not only were they beautiful to look at, they tasted like candy. Here it has been all of these years, and I still remember these peaches. Now, that's my standard of a good peach. I have never had a peach like that ever again. I I have been on a quest. I can't find them. they, They were just absolutely wonderful. I know what a bad peach looks like. Or I know that you go to the grocery store sometimes and you reach up and you grab the peach and it's as hard as a baseball. That's not a good peach. You know the difference between good fruit and bad fruit, don't you? And so there's there's a standard. There's There's a judgment. And what is our standard? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. We use the Word of God as our standard. In fact, back in Matthew 24, it says, Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he endures to the end shall be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as witnesses to all the nations, and then the end will come. In other words, there's the true gospel. There's the true gospel, and there is a false gospel, and I think that for the last 30 or 40 years, the church has been too shy in proclaiming when someone is preaching a false gospel. But there is a false gospel that abounds, and the church shouldn't be shy. As you all know, I, I like John MacArthur, and I, I remember used to, John MacArthur started calling out names of people that preach a false gospel. And at first I was like, ooh, you're naming names. How does your congregation know who's a false teacher unless you name a name? We could sit here and be generic about and go, well, we're going to have false teachers. If you have somebody that's immature in their faith, you have to name names so people will know, here's somebody that's unreliable that I can't study. 
And it amazes me on Christian radio that you'll turn on Christian radio, especially in commercial stations or stations that don't have a tether to some particular group. And you see this in Christian TV, too. It's just harem scarum. You got the good teacher followed by a health and wealth teacher. It's like, my goodness, how, how are you going to know the difference? What is the purpose of Christian media if we can't sit there and go, I'm sorry, you're teaching a false gospel. We're not going to let you on our TV station or we're not going to let you over the air, the radio, because all you're going to do is you're going to lead people astray. We're told to watch out. Now, when you look at what Paul is telling the Galatians, in verse 9 of Galatians 1, it says, As we have said before, and so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Paul's not pulling any punches, is he? He's going, this person's not a believer. We have to declare the gospel of Christ. That's what Paul said to the Ephesians elders in Acts 20, which I've already referenced. He said, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. It is the church's responsibility, one, to be on the lookout. And earlier we saw the warning of Christ. He says they are wolves in sheep's clothing. I mentioned this in our Wednesday night group. The Antichrist is not going to come in with 666 tattooed on their forehead, right? Hey, I'm the Antichrist. I'm here to reap havoc and destruction. That's not going to happen. False teachers aren't going to walk in and go, Hey, I'm a false teacher. I want to teach something that's contrary to the Word of God. No, they're deceptive. Now, if one's going to be deceptive, it means that you and I should know what? The Word of God. The Word of God. And as we know the Word of God, And we can line up the Word of God with what's going on in culture, in society, and within the church. And when somebody starts teaching something that's contrary to the Word of God, the church has to deal with that. I've been doing this for 25 years in this town, and of course you hear stories, and I recall two specific stories and I won't name churches, where churches have allowed people to come in and teach something that is absolutely contrary to the Word of God. And in people who were absolutely not believers. I I remember somebody came up and said, this is what's being taught at this one particular church, and this is the person that's teaching it. And I thought, you have got to be kidding me that a pastor would allow that in their church. 
Because after all, as a pastor, we have a special judgment, right? We have a special judgment. And for the sake of head count, for the sake of going along to get along, sometimes things are winked at that should never, ever be allowed to happen within a church. But people are not willing to do the difficult thing. But it's important that we do that. I mean, I've heard stories from a Mormon teaching vacation Bible school in a Protestant church. How does that ever happen? How do you allow that to happen? But this is what the scripture is talking about. The scripture is talking about us looking at who's teaching within our congregations, what they're teaching, and then taking a difficult stand for the truth, for the truth. Because the price that the church pays is that people are led astray. Now, when Paul was writing Timothy and giving him instruction as a young pastor in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, listen to the words of Paul in his instruction to Timothy. He said, Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And then he goes on and says, But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Like cancer. We're blessed to have a cohesive body. I would rather preach to a small, cohesive body who stands on the Word of God than to preach to a large congregation that does not have unity in belief. We're told to be on guard. We're told to be discerning, which means that we have to rely on the Word of God. Now, next week, we're going to look at, here we see a void Right? It tells us to avoid these people. Next week, we're going to look at the different responsibilities of the church. One regarding church discipline. We're going to look at church discipline. And then we're going to look at false teachers. And there is a difference. There's a difference. And so we'll look at that in our focal passage next week as we continue to work through Romans as Paul writes his last remarks. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we thank you for the truth. We thank you for your indwelling spirit that the veil has been lifted and we have the ability to understand it. I pray, Lord, that we'll rest in it. I pray, Lord, that we will be diligent in looking at the truth as it relates to the world that we live in that we would live according to your truth. I pray, Lord, that this church may always stand for your truth. I pray if someone's listening 
this morning and they've never come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that today they would ask Christ into their hearts, repent from their sins, and turn their life over to you. Lord, we give you the glory and honor in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, millcreekchurch.org.